Welcome to Lunch Plus. It's super good to have you with us today. It is Thursday morning, afternoon. No, it's technically morning because it's not it's still morning. Yet. It works. Good morning. Thank you for being on Share the Broadcast today. It's going to be a great episode because we've got good stuff in store for you. What have they won, buddy? You've won <laughs> a broadcast full of no thumbs, Q&A, unfortunate things, prayer, <laughs> which is not unfortunate. That's very fortunate. And the man who would be king. Unfortunate things. <laughs> I'm super excited. I have no idea what's in what's unfortunate. I do. I do. I'm very so. excited about it. And I'm even more excited because it's on a day where both Buddy and Paul are both here. I'm pretty stoked about it. I'm but glad you are. Before we get to what's unfortunate, it's family chat time. So as mm -hmm. you're hopping on, comment, tell us who you are, where you're watching from, so that way we can say hello to you. Lisa Lamb, we love you so much. Thank you for hopping on and sharing the broadcast. You are wonderful. Hello, Holly. Um, the Q&A question, Pastor Brian wants to know, today, Buddy and Pastor Brian are going to be doing Q&A. Mm -hmm. And what are we going to be answering? We're going to talk about Bible translations. Um, we're going to be talking about how to find, pick a good translation. We're going to talk about, is the Passion Translation a good translation to read? That, that was basically the questions. Yeah. So it's so, going to be a good one. Yeah, and if you have some questions, you can drop them in the comments, too, um, for our Q&A today. We'd love to answer your questions. Anytime we say drop it in the comments, I immediately think of drop it like it's hot. And I'm really sorry for everyone watching, but I guarantee you I'm not the only one. Paul off to the side says amen. So <laughs> someone else thinks it. Kevin Nowicki says that he's on the road in Harrisburg, headed to Mount Pleasant. We miss you here in the studio, Kevin. But we're glad that you are having a good day and driving back. Okay, family chat time, question number one. Remember, we are on our questions of, would you eat this? Would you eat it? <laughs> Extra spicy ramen and cheese balls. So I have a theory that most all of these food concoctions are what college students do with zero money. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is all I got. I'm just putting cheese balls in my ramen. I didn't know that there was such a thing as spicy ramen. I've only had like chicken ramen. Marky and Paul off to the side were like nodding emphatically, like yes there is. Sounds really good. I, I've never had it. Now I want ramen. I, I know. It's been so long since I've had ramen, but I want to know. I, I Seriously though, like the year before Serena and I were married, I had ramen for lunch every day. And then like, uh, and then my, uh, like one, one of the people there were like, you know how much sodium's in that? You're going to have kidney stones. And I'm like, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. Amen. I was <laughs> laughing really hard because William's comment was like, cheese puffs or spherical cheddar? <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's a, it's probably cheese puffs. It is cheese puffs. It's like the cheese balls, like the It would be, it'd be really good with spherical cheddar, though. It would be. Because like I used to add cheese to my ramen and Me like too. some hot sauce. So I kind of had that already, but I, not with the... Cheese puffs. Ra I feel like the cheese puffs would melt and disintegrate in it, and it'd be really good. Rachel said that she would try it. Mm. Kevin would not try it. I think I would try it just for kicks, because mm. I am a person that adds random stuff into like my tomato soup. Like I've done mm. cheese balls with tomato soup before. Yeah. Um, ramen was an army staple. I've heard I that to it. be true. Um, Kevin, are you commenting and driving? Just curious. <laughs> so the next combination of food. <laughs> next combination. <laughs> That's why we have voice text. Next, Next combination. Do, do, do. Do, do. Do, do, do. 
Hot dog and mac and cheese and ketchup. I would yeah. definitely try that. This is Canada food. That really? is craft dinner. They call it craft dinner, and that's what it is. Kevin says, of course not. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Yeah, dot. so I've had it, and it's not You've the, had it. Oh, yeah. Mm. No, I've definitely had this, because, again, I basically lived in Canada. Yeah. So I've had it. <laughs> basically. But it's not something that, at this point in my life, brings me joy anymore. Like, as yeah. a child, I'm like, this is amazing, but I'm yeah. not putting ketchup on my macaroni and cheese anymore. I'll still mm. put hot dogs, though. Well, I made well, that for George recently. Was that something that we had on this, is ketchup and mac and cheese? Mm-hmm. That was, that was part of this. Yeah, yeah, for of this one. Okay, yeah. Ketchup, mac and cheese, and hot dogs. Oh, but why do I feel like we did, we had one before where do you put ketchup on your mac and cheese? We, I, may I feel have like asked, we've talked about it. We may have before. Yeah. Um, but Kevin, I would try it. I would try it. You would try it. Paul said he would try it off to the side. Kevin says absolutely. Holly says minus the ketchup. We had it as a child. William said that he would do the hot dog and mac and cheese, but mm. ketchup on top is wrong. It's it's weird. Johnny says yep. Rachel said that she'd try it. Yeah. I well, mean, yeah. It's a it is a thing. Can I add bacon to it too? Sure. That would make you it even better. For it. I'm all for this. I just I don't love ketchup that much anymore. That mm. was my favorite thing as a child. And really? Do, do you remember the Heinz Easy squirts, like the yes. green yes. Shrek ketchup yes. and like the purple ketchup? Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. I always really wanted it, and I don't think I ever got it because I, I just, I don't think it was I ever think purchased. we got it once, and like, it was just a disturbing experience. <laughs> and we never got it again. Okay, next combo. Frosted animal cookies and more frosting. Come on, that's not weird. That sounds like the best thing in the world. <laughs> See, at some point, Pastor Nicole's going to watch this. And I feel like she would say no, because that's yeah. a lot of sugar. So I didn't know if there would be people that rebuke frosted animal cookies with an, another layer of frosting. Like, I didn't know oh. if Serena would be down that's for this a, one. That's like, would you be down for mega-stuffed Oreos, you know, with extra stuffing? <laughs> I mean, I had no doubt that the majority of the room would do this, but mm -hmm. I wasn't sure if our viewers... Yeah. <laughs> Holly says, sugar with more sugar. I would try it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Kevin said that he's down for this one. I think I'd do it. I think it would depend on the type of frosting, though. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't... Well, I know Serena loves that whipped frosting, but yeah. I would I would hard pass that. But like hard butter, like the buttercream frosting? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Serena says, as opposed to what else I've eaten on the broadcast, I'd eat it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's, it's definitely a nice option. Like, it's, it's a kind, mm -hmm. gentle one. <laughs> yeah. No pain with this one. But, a yeah. Lot, you got a lot of gain, but... Yeah. Boo. Serena's laughing. <laughs> I heard a chuckle over here. We're good. We're fine. It's not a problem. Put a laughy emoji if that made you at least laugh <laughs> quietly to yourself. Do you, remember, do you remember LQTM, laughing quietly to myself? Yes, I do. Do you remember GPOY, gratuitous picture of myself? No. It then turned into selfie, but that was the original word for selfie. Really? GPOY. Tumblr oh. had that on there. I don't remember. Johnny said that they used to sell something that was like this. Okay, mm. so before we move on. <laughs> Look, Kevin put up a laughy face. He thought it was funny. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. so Paul off to the side read my mind. Dunkaroos 
were the bomb.com. They were my favorite snack. It was amazing. And I don't know if that's what you're talking about, Johnny, but they were, Dunkaroos need to come back. And they need to come back now. And if you hold the rights to Dunkaroos, whether it's the recipe, whether it's the copyright in there, I don't care. Bring them back. Make memes great again and bring Dunkaroos back. 2020, You can, you can buy them on eBay. I don't know if they're expired. Oh, that they're at really Walmart? Good. Are they the original recipe? Well, oh, there's an original unopened box of Dunkaroos for a, almost $1,000 Dunkaroos on eBay. are amazing. <laughs> the Dunkaroos were like, okay, so they had different flavors. It's basically kind of like, like Teddy Grahams, but way better. Mm. And they often were like cookies and cream flavored or chocolate mm. flavored or vanilla. But then you dipped those bad boys into like confetti frosting. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it is so good. So I've never had Dunkaroos. Just thought I'd throw that out there just to see how you'd react. You lived off Jimmy Neutron, but you didn't have Dunkaroos? No. I had like those really like stinky crackers that had the, the, the Velveeta cheese. Yeah, yeah, I've had yeah. that before. Yeah. Well, we need to get uh, you Dunkaroos. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, okay. It's only $1,000 on eBay. <laughs> it's only $1,000. Next. Apple pie and cheddar cheese. I would 100% do this. Mm. No doubt. I would 100% do this. Mm. Sure would. So the way that it is online is it's apple pie oh. and then it's it's cheddar cheese. It's not nasty American <laughs> weirdo cheese. You look over here and all you're getting is... Mm. It's like cheddar cheese and you bake <laughs> it on top. I yes. would for sure do this. Cheese and apples taste really good together. Cheese and bread taste really good together. So all you're doing is adding a little cinnamon to it. I would for sure do this. Absolutely. Johnny said he would. Serena said absolutely not. Rachel said that she would try it once. I bet it's really good. I would do this one. No, no. I wouldn't do it with ice cream, like, but like I'd do it on its own. Like I feel tears coming just thinking about it. So Rachel, for next week with Food Mash, I need you to make uh, a apple whole apple pie, pie with cheddar cheese on top. <laughs> Thanks so much. Kevin says that's a Vermont thing, and his mom says that's a Vermont favorite too. So yes, they would. And Debbie Meyer says that yes, with sharp cheddar, Holly would try it. Johnny says the apples and cheese is good. We're, we're getting pretty 50-50 on this right now. I'm pretty excited. Because uh, I feel like this means it's going to be made and we get to try it. We have enough bakers in this church and in this ministry. Pa Pastor said it's actually very common and pretty good, although I didn't <gasps> grow up with it. Well. Pastor says that it's true. I guess I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's great. <laughs> if Pastor says that I have to agree with it. That's exciting. Well, I, yeah, I would definitely eat that. Uh, agreed, so, Kevin, with Vermont sharp cheddar. Absolutely. Only Vermont sharp cheddar. Do you, there is a strong uh, difference, and the Vermont oh, cheddar cheese is amazing. Oh, I Kevin and I bonded over this recently. I, I know nothing about cheese then. I just want to come to yours and Serena's house with a whole bunch of mm. things and just watch you guys eat them. That's, <laughs> that's what I want to do some afternoon. Um, Miss Cindy says that she prefers apple pie with vanilla ice cream, mm -hmm. and Kevin says Cabot cheese. Is it Cabot? Cabot? It is Cabot, right? I don't know how to pronounce that. Oh, yeah. Is it supposed to be fancy like Cabot? Cabot. Cabot I don't cheese? know. My dad Cabot. says my dad says apple pie and cheddar were a big thing when he was little. So I guess it's something that was like used to be big. Did and then... you just text your dad right now to find out? No, he texted me. <laughs> He doesn't oh. have Facebook, so he just texts me his, his responses. <laughs> oh, Papa and Mama Crabtree. 
Speaking of which, I'm now friends with Buddy's mom on Facebook, so I officially get to call her Mama Crabtree. I don't, I don't understand how that works. I, it like, happened. Your wife told I, me I can Are you my mom her. because we're friends on Facebook? No, because i Can I call you I'm, Mama Barrett? I don't care. Go for it. I have right, no Mama preference. Barrett. You're supposed to be upset about that. You're supposed mm -hmm. to not go along with it, and you're supposed to care. Nope. So thanks for being on the broadcast <laughs> today. <laughs> that didn't work out as well as I thought. <laughs> a great episode. Mm. We'll be back in 30 seconds with another table of contents to give you a quick rundown and with the No Thumbs Challenge with Marky and Paul. Who's going to win? I have my guesses. Find out soon. Stick around. 30 seconds. We'll be back. See ya. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for being on today. Before we dive into the No Thumbs Challenge, we have an awesome episode in store for you. Let's talk about what's coming up today. Right now, right now, is the No Thumbs Challenge. Up after that is Q&A with Pastor Brian and Buddy. It's going to be such a good one. We're going to be talking about Bible translations and which ones are good ones, how to tell. After that, it is What's Unfortunate. I am stoked for that one. And then we have a quick time of prayer going into The Man Who Would Be King. We're super excited, but right now, it's time for the No Thumbs Challenge. Alrighty, guys. So, I have two of my favorite people. Mr. Paul, Miss Marky. I'm really excited because Paul is uber competitive. Marky's not necessarily competitive, but she likes things to be fair. And I don't know as though you guys have ever competed against each other, but I feel like it's really? going to be a real treat for you. Yeah. <laughs> Here's what we've got going on. As you can see. I don't know what to do with my hands right now. <laughs> what do I do with my hands? <laughs> as you can see, they have no thumbs. Uh, well, they do, but they're bound. Um, they're in captivity right now. They're in slavery. And what they have to do is they have to, with no thumbs, <clears throat> Build a structure out of Cheez-Its. They have three minutes to accomplish this task. They, all, the only rules is that they cannot use their thumbs for this. They can use any other body part. They cannot use their thumbs. What kind of structure? Um, so a structure that's not like, I, I don't care, just like any wall? structure. Like, it can't just be a line on the table of, oh, it's a broken building, I win. It has to be something that is built up, elevated off of the table, has a foundation, and is built atop it. Absolutely. Do you feel confident in what you're doing? <clears throat> sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm giving this thumbs up. I feel up. like construction background does not help in this situation. Do you feel confident in, in your abilities? Always. Paul always feels confident. I'll always. give you each both more. I don't feel confident, but I really want to beat Paul. <laughs> <laughs> He's one person I don't feel bad about beating. So I want to beat him. Yes. So uh, let's have it be the tallest structure. I think that's a good call, buddy. The, whichever one can do a the tallest structure. Right now, put it in the comments who you think is going to win. 
Melanor, this guy, or Paul. Which one's gonna win? If you could see my thumbs, I'm pointing at this guy. In three, two, one, three, sorry, three minutes on the clock. Marky's got some interesting strategy going on. Paul is bringing out his inner engineer. I don't, you're not an engineer, but you know, construction building. He's creating a really intense, intense foundation. Marky, how, how's it going for you? <laughs> not well. <laughs> not well? Do you have any strategy going into this, either of you? This looks like a bunker. Are you copycatting? I'm building a right comb. Now? A little bit. <laughs> Marky is slightly cheating, and she's no, watching not. what Paul's doing. <laughs> <laughs> this. It's hard to build a round cone with square cheeses. I'm enjoying watching Marky because she's doing something, but she's also staring at what you're doing. I'm also pleased that neither of you have shaken the table yet to shake down the opponent's structure. That's something I probably would have done at this point. There was no rule against said thing, so I mean, feel free to play however you choose to play. Serena believes in Marky. Thanks. Holly believes in Marky. Buddy and Kevin both vote Paul. So it looks like the dudes are with the dudes and the girls are with the girls. So who do you think is gonna win? Put it in the comment. One minute has gone by. We have two minutes left. I don't know as though you're building higher. I'm just... Help. <laughs> if you have any ideas, you can comment right now. <laughs> it looks like you're just kind of smushing them together. I don't know what to do. <laughs> They're not, it's not building. Are they easy to build with? How is he doing that? No. You, you can projectile his, like you could kamikaze I it. I don't know how to. I had dreams of you guys building it like a deck of card house. Like, that's what my dream I was. I thought of that, but they're not. All flat and square. Oh, here we go. Buddy wants to know if these are structures or piles. William <laughs> believes in you, Paul. Debbie also um, believes in you. It started as a round structure and was going to taper its way into a comb, but you, it's hard to do that with square cheeses that are not completely <laughs> flat. So they've kind of molded themselves into a lump. I need you to know that Rachel says that she loves you, but she believes in Paul for this. That's not nice. <laughs> I'm really pleased that you're making like a teepee. <laughs> like my teepee? Okay, we have one minute left on the clock. It looks like this is about to get interesting. Marky looks like she's making a village. <laughs> uh, that like tiny little, ah! oh, a hurricane went through the village. It's gone now. <laughs> I'm actually. Paul, this is really smart. I'm actually building though. Paul, Paul is laying some bricks, some, some, some tiles upon this. <laughs> the first shot has been fired. Paul. Can you hear it? Can you guys hear the slap of noise? I am very impressed with Paul. He has been diligently focused on what he's been doing. There's been no deviation. Like, Paul's not looking to the right or to the left. Marky, I feel like you've just quit with getting taller. <laughs> And so now you're trying to make it whichever one's the cutest. That's my guess with what is happening at this moment. And it's we are falling. coming to a close. It's falling. Oh no. We could be in an upset here, ladies no. and gents. We have 10 seconds left to go on the clock. 10, <laughs> 9. Oh no! <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> 6, 5, 4, 3, 2. <laughs> I feel 
like that was a complete failure all the way around for building. <laughs> Paul ruined mine. I just threw things at <laughs> Can there's tremors going that? on in Albemarle, North Carolina there's right now. tremors going on. I think there's an earthquake. There's a shakening happening. Has there, have you seen the meme that says Andy Bernard does not uh, lose games? He either wins them or he quits them. Like, I feel like that's what just happened. So, by definition, Paul won simply because there was another layer of Cheez-Its on top of the first layer. But overall... A structure was not built with the Cheez-Its. I built a village. Maybe if I had frosting, I could lay mortar and then do legit brickwork. Did you I guys see my it. village? Like I didn't. I didn't. You just he killed my village. The village. He, he killed it. <laughs> Everybody lost. Well, guys, I'm. I hope that was fun for you to watch because no structure was built. But we discovered that you cannot thumb. You cannot build a structure without thumbs. It is, it is very important. Now so, I feel like you should have to eat the rest of your cheeses with your hands behind your back. Go for it. Both of you are I don't right like now. Cheese right now. 30 seconds. Go. Uh, Here we go. go. Here we go. Who can do this? Who can do it the quickest? Let's go, Marky. I believe in you. This just took a turn that I wasn't expecting, but I'm not, I'm not opposed to this. <laughs> this is like straight up pig drop. <laughs> Jesus just exploded me. <laughs> I, I don't like cheese. I don't want to swallow them. I'm throwing it back in my mouth. It's literally just cheese shrapnel flying everywhere right now. <laughs> Every time Murky breathes, it's just. I'm trying to pack up my jaw, but okay. I don't want to swallow. Three, two, <laughs> up. I. Honestly, that looks decently even, but I think Paul won. <laughs> Thank you for watching. Whatever this is. I'm going to have crazy kids in my beard. <laughs> Up next, we have Q&A with Buddy and Pastor. Kevin wonders what he just witnessed. I'm not entirely sure it happened, though, so... Welcome to live broadcasting. I'm really concerned as they're laughing with the cheese dust flying. Like, really, like I'm not lying. Every time they laugh, it's coming out of their nose, out of their mouth. It's just like, whoppa. There's a glory cloud, and then there's cheese it dust cloud, and they're very different things. They're back in my jaw like a chipmunk, but I can't swallow it. What? He, they're packed in his jaw because he doesn't want to swallow them. I don't like cheese it. Oh. Okay. Okay, guys. Ugh. Do you feel good? Yeah, I won. Do you see all the cheese it dust that's Did stuck you? to her lip right now? Did you? No. <laughs> Look at her mouth. <laughs> Ew. Ugh. It's stuck to my chapstick. <laughs> <laughs> Every time it happens, I'm really concerned. Okay. <laughs> Do you feel good? Yeah, good. Do you feel good? Aura. Have you swallowed anything? No. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. It's Q&A time. Buddy and pastor. Lord Jesus, help with whatever this is. We'll see if Paul can talk here in a little bit. We'll be right back.
What's up, everyone? I would just like to first and foremost say that that was terrifying to watch. 100%. 100%. But now we're stepping into our Q&A uh, question and answers time. Uh, Pastor's here with me. Hello. How are you doing? Good. Good. Stepping in right on time. I know. <laughs> like, like whenever we're getting like minutes closer, I'm like, I really hope he comes in because we'll see how this goes. Um, but uh, hey, guys, uh, a part of why we do this question and answers uh, segment is because we just want to know where you're at. We want to know, you know, part, part of what we want to do in this broadcast is we want to be able to answer your questions. We yeah. want to be able to hear your heart and we want to be able to give you the answers to the questions that, that you're asking. And we want to give you more than that. We want to give you an opportunity, you know, to grow. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if, you, if you have people in your life that are asking you questions and you don't know what the answers are, you know, like we want, we want to help you out. We want to give you, uh, give you answers to, to some of those questions, especially because, you know, th this is a philosophy that I've had for myself, but I never want to say I don't know to the same question twice. Sure. If someone asks me a question and I don't know the answer, it's not wrong to say I don't know, but that should always put something in you to say, okay, but I want to yeah. find out, uh, you know. Yeah, well, there's a few things, you know, like I faced a question not too long ago that I don't know that there's an answer to it. Yeah. Uh, that, that has been revealed by the Lord. Yeah. Uh, and with the Bible as the standard, mm. then, you know, you have to take a look at that. So there's a few things. Some people... Uh, they get a thirst for knowledge and, mm. and they actually in pride go and they push mm. too far and they yeah. you know, make up stuff. Mm. But as if the answer's out there and yeah. it's attainable and it's based on the standard of the word, then we should go after it. We should study to show ourselves approved. But anyway, just uh, if you have any questions, make sure to send them to us. You can go to mm. whatsright.com mm. and uh, you, can, you can drop them in here. The best thing would be whatsright.com. That way we have a record of it and it's yeah. not lost. That's but uh, go there, send us a message, and ask questions. We had a, a great, a great, we had a great question. A great question. <laughs> I was thinking question and great, <laughs> and great at, at the, the same, same time. A great question. A great question today. <laughs> Would you tell them what the question is? Uh, this, is a qu this question actually came in yesterday. Um, the, the question is, is the Passion Translation a good translation to read? Uh, what's, what's, the be what's the best thought-for-thought -thought translation and how do you pick a good translation? That's Hallelujah. That's mm -hmm. like three questions. That is three questions. But they all do um, go together. They, so they do all awesome. go together. So one of the things that you'll see is that when you're talking about translations, one of the first and the major points that you have to understand are mm -hmm. that there are differences in the translations. Like they mention what's a good thought-for-thought -thought translation. Yeah. So that also can be called a context translation. Mm -hmm. um, so a context translation is you know, basically saying what is the concept of that sentence? Mm -hmm. What's the concept of that paragraph? What's the concept of the passage? Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't try to say the exact words. Mm -hmm. It tries to give you the concept, uh, mm -hmm. which can be very helpful because if you didn't grow up you know, in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, you might yeah. not understand what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. But a, con a context trans uh, translation will show you the context of that environment. Mm -hmm. And the Passion translation falls into that. Mm -hmm. uh, but one of the things I would say about the Passion and, and watch this, that quote-unquote, the Passion trans, 
translation, yeah. uh, that's the name that they put on it. Mm-hmm. But by definition, it's not really a translation. It's more of a paraphrase. Yeah. Uh, the difference between a translation and a paraphrase is a translation literally seeks to translate it. Mm-hmm. A paraphrase is a rewriting of it. Mm-hmm. And so when you're going in for study, the besides context translation, the other uh, main group is a word-for-word translation or a more literal translation. Yeah. Uh, and that is what is, I think is very good for mm-hmm. study. So, for example, if I, if I ask you to translate a paragraph mm-hmm. and give me the context of that paragraph, well, you would probably say that in a different way than the original language did. Mm-hmm. But if I ask you to give me a word-for-word translation, Mm -hmm. then you would translate one word, Mm -hmm. move to the next word, translate that, move Mm -hmm. to the next word, translate that. Mm -hmm. So the problem with a word-for-word translation is it can be very uh, wooden. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to read, it's hard to understand. And a word-for-word translation is not the easiest to read. Whereas a translation or a paraphrase like the like the passion uh, is a lot easier to read and it may draw out some things uh, that you don't see in another translation at the same time it's not as close to what was anointed by god you know all scriptures inspired by the holy spirit Mm -hmm. so what we what was inspired were the original letters and books that were penned Mm -hmm. by the holy men of god Mm -hmm. that's what's inspired so every time it translates from that original language, in this case, Hebrew, Greek, or Aramaic were the original languages used. Mm-hmm. Every time it's translated, you open up uh, bias. You mm-hmm. open up. So if I ask you to translate word for word, mm-hmm. there would be less bias. You would translate one word, then translate the next. Yeah. And there would be less bias available if mm-hmm. you were making that kind of translation, which is why it's good for study. Yeah. If I ask you to translate a, a context or a paragraph and the context of a paragraph, mm-hmm. well, now your beliefs, your doctrine comes into that translation. Yeah. There's a lot more room for bias. Yeah. So a context translation is very good for uh, seeing what's actually in the context, in the environment, in the atmosphere of what was being written, mm-hmm. but it could be, it very easily can be a little bit more biased, mm-hmm. and so you always want to weigh a context translation with a more literal translation or a word-for-word translation. Yeah. So uh, I'll come back to the passion in just a second. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know, for me, I have basically six go-to translations. My number one translation personally, and this is what I sought the Lord on for me, mm-hmm. uh, my number one translation is the New American Standard. It's, to me, it's the most word-for-word with a scholarly translation um, mm-hmm. habits put into it. But also, what you see is that even in, although it's considered a modern translation, many modern translations have left some verses out. Those verses that are in question about that, the NASB leaves them in there and does translate them, so it does show every verse, and I like that a lot, so I can see it. Uh, that's, that's the one that I use the most. I also use, so I use word for word is NASB and basically King James. Um, then, you, then I also use the Amplified, I use, I use the New Living Translation. Now, I'll talk about that in just a second. 
But then I also have the message translation, and the most literal is a literal translation. I use two of them. One's the literal translation, it's called that, and then the other one is Young's literal. I really like uh, Robert Young's approach uh, to translation, and he, he brought out some points some years ago that's very important. But um, one of the things that I, I do, the reason I like the New Living Translation, it's a context translation, mm -hmm. but all the translators uh, were filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And that means a lot to me because yeah. in that filling of the Holy Ghost, you have an approach to the whole Bible mm -hmm. in the power of God and you look at things differently. Yeah. Uh, but I would say in each translation in English, I've found things that are questionable. Now going back to the Passion Translation, I utilize like the Message Translation, uh, I utilize that a lot, not, but the Message again is a paraphrase, it's not a translation. So I use the Message really to show me what's this verse saying in the New American Standard or in the literal mm -hmm. or in the King James. Is there something I'm missing? Mm -hmm. And uh, the thing about the Passion is it they designed it, and the message was similar to this. There was so much passion in these original languages that our English language doesn't bring out. Mm -hmm. They recognized this. They wanted to help people with this. Mm -hmm. uh, but then the issue is it's not really a translation. It's more of a paraphrase. Yeah. Uh, but it can bring out some important points in there. Mm -hmm. But the one thing about the passage, uh, Passion Translation is it was done. The whole translation was not a team. It was one man. And if you only have one man that's doing that, one translator, uh, that always opens the door for questions. Mm -hmm. uh, but would I read it to kind of apply some light to the New American Standard or a literal translation or a King James? Absolutely. I would, I would read it for that. Mm -hmm. I just won't use it as the basis or the standard mm -hmm. because it's too far removed uh, in translation practices for me. Yeah, one of the things that you were sharing yesterday when we were talking about this is uh, like whenever you're studying the word, you yeah. want to like because one of the things we've said, I think every time we've done this is the standard is the word. Yes. You know, and, and you said yesterday and the original standard, you know, is the original Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic that yes. it was written in. Yes. And so when we're studying the word of God, it's important that we that we lean more to, towards the word for wor word translations as yes. we're studying because then we'll be able to hear the actual word of God. But then to supplement that, or like you were saying... But when, when I don't read Greek or Hebrew yeah, or Aramaic, so I, I have yeah. to trust scholars in that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there are, there's tools to utilize, you yes, know, where we yes. can even see that, you know. Where we, you can search those words mm -hmm. out, yes. Yeah, like BibleHub.com is one yeah. of my favorite ones. Yeah. But, uh, uh, Esword.net. That's your favorite? That's what you like. I like, I like Bible yeah. Hub, too. I'm just throwing yeah. it out there because you threw it out. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, we're looking for, uh, I, I was just going to say, like, <laughs> they're not monetizing this on us. No. You know, we're, we Somebody we're not put paid that to in this. the comment, please. Yeah. The, it's e-sword.net and biblehub.com. Biblehub um, but so there, there are sources where you can actually look and pull out. But like one of the things you were saying is, you know, when you study it out, you want to be as word for word as possible. Yes. Because you can actually, uh, like, you can frame a bad doctrine based on how one translation, yes. you know, interprets one verse. And yes. and I've I've seen that, and I've I've heard people like, well, the Bible says this. Oh, really? Because like every translation I've read other than that one translation says something different and you yes. can even go back to the original Hebrew. But um, uh, I have an ongoing list of translation tests 
so that when I come to a translation, I want to see what does it say in this verse? Because mm. there's specific verses that yeah. are, um, that, that really are questionable. Yeah, so, yeah. Anyway. But, but, but you were saying like, but if I'm preaching and reading it in the yes. NASB or, you know, a word for word, if, if it doesn't come, at, come across at, like to where you, you, they can, the people that you're preaching to can easily understand it, you'll bring in. Communicate you know, well. Yeah, just yeah. to communicate it, you know. Yes. better or, yeah. or more well as long as as long as mm -hmm. uh it will stand up to the standard to of the, the literal the translation yeah. yeah so generally if i have brought in a context translation i've mm -hmm. already done the study because mm -hmm. i'm not going to preach it unless i backed it up by mm -hmm. as literal of a translation as i can yeah you know or the full yeah. counsel of the word you know in other mm -hmm. words another scripture adds context to that mm -hmm. to that scripture and so yeah. this, to me, is something that's very important. And there's a lot more depth. I mean, we did a whole mm -hmm. class on this at Impact University. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot more depth to it, like when the translations came out, when mm -hmm. what area and what region they were translated out of, and yeah. things like that, like the mm -hmm. Alexandrian or the Byzantine. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff. And I'm not a yeah. scholar at it, but I understand it better today than I have before. So that's good. Anyway, I hope that answers uh, the question. And uh, if you have questions on anything, let us know. And I won't promise that we have the answer for everything, uh, but if we can find it, we will. Yeah. And make the Bible our standard, and <laughs> praise God. I think yeah. we went long. Uh, no. I think no. I went long. You were just along for the ride. No, I, I enjoy <laughs> the ride. I enjoy it. No, because, yeah, we, we had a 10-minute segment started at uh, quarter after, so we're Sweet. good. We're, like, perfect. We're, like, right on time. Praise God. Glory to God. <laughs> Send us your questions. Share the broadcast. I forget what we're going to next, but you prayer. probably know. Prayer. Nope. No prayer. Barrett. What's, oh, what's unfortunate? unfortunate? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going over for what's unfortunate. So join me over here. Oh, for, yes. He's for going. my least favorite segment. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Thank you for There's being on today. On I'm really excited that both Buddy and Paul are on <laughs> here. Do what this is. And here's what's happening. Today's What's Unfortunate, both Buddy and Paul are participating. If you are a longtime viewer of this broadcast, you will remember that last week, both Buddy and Paul chastised me for, in my youth, eating coins, like putting coins inside my mouth. <laughs> That's what that they is. Said There's that a penny in here. Preference would There's be a penny. They said that their preference would be to lick the bottom of shoes instead of licking coins. Okay, so, so today, Buddy and Paul get the option of either licking clean <laughs> Nutella off of one of my oldest shoes that I have, or licking clean three pennies off like, of their plates. I feel like <laughs> I feel like I was set up on like this. <laughs> no, this is this this so setup. This I don't think this is how, I don't think this is scriptural. You know, the word tells us to be led by the spirit of joy. This has brought everyone joy that I have talked to today. Every person has been in full support. So whichever right. one you would prefer to do, you're welcome right. to do it. Technically, we could lick that without touching the shoe. But you have to lick it so that it's clean. There cannot be a film of Nutella left upon the shoe. There can be obvious residue, but you've but got to That's not to my shoe. There's a difference. I know where I've been. I don't know where you've been. I asked last week <laughs> if it mattered the type of shoe or can where I just you put it on my like, shoe. Yeah, can I put it on my shoe and then lick it off? Nope. 
Because I know where I've been. Nope. I know, I know where I've traveled. Nope. <laughs> so we have three minutes. They have three minutes to accomplish this task. I'm pretty excited about it. The Bible says that choices are good. The Lord does mm. not mandate I don't feel like either one of these choices are good. <laughs> Whichever decision you choose. I, I, don't, I didn't sign a waiver for this. Yeah. Um, I think, I think we need to postpone this a week. As a youth leader, the, our youth leader here at the ministry, Paul uh, Stallings, just preached to the youth on Sunday that souls are the most important thing in the world. More important than anything. <laughs> it's more and important as, than licking his shoes. And as our two youth male leaders here, what examples to set for their youth who are part of the production crew for what they'll do for souls? I, so, you trying I to would see just, where she stepped? No, no. See, the thing there's is, hair. this is fabric shoes. It this is. is like the, and the there's source like of this is Hobbs' hair is. is right there. It is. You said that the bottom of shoes were better. Pick whichever one you wish. You can change. You, did you go through your closet and pick out like she did. the dirtiest, like most hair filled group? Can we shoe? set up the I, next? Oh, it's unfortunate. Because <laughs> yeah, I've got a pair of work you, boots. And you can participate. <laughs> and I know where I they've said been. I do coins. I would still do coins in this challenge. Oh, look, we're out of time. Oh, no, we've still got two minutes. We're going to do prayer at the end to ensure that we hop in with what's unfortunate. Okay, gents. You've got two minutes. I have to go with the coin. Well, I'm sorry, what? You have to do the what? I have to go with the coin. Oh, that's this so weird. <laughs> I can't do the coin. <laughs> I can't do it. My wife works at a bank. I know what kind of oh, disgusting, buddy. nasty stuff uh, is there. Well, I'm, I'm working my way down to the you gotta clean that's a the lot coin. Of if, you gotta do, if I've got to lick, <laughs> if I'm going to lick that and I have to lick to the soul, you've got to so spit they, they shine that penny. E they are equal amounts of Nutella. <laughs> I don't like Nutella. <laughs> what is up? What are y'all trying to do to me today? Jesus and Nutella? Jade is on now. Are you asking them to lick coins? I'm asking them to lick off the Nutella. From a scientific standpoint, less things will cling to the metal. That's Pastor true, but there's also plumber's hands and drug dealer's hands. Yeah, Pastor so technically you're like encouraging us to, there could be drugs on this. Do you believe what the word of God says? You may drink any deadly poison, and it shall not harm you. This is really putting faith into action today, I folks. I can't go against that. It's the word of God. <laughs> I, love how, I love how the word of God always comes into this. Please. It's important. I had my word of God, like, I, I had the scripture to back this up because I, I thought You were ready? Through. I was ready. <laughs> Paul's going for the coins? I don't know. Whoa! I'm, I'm very excited about the prospect of them switching. Okay. Uh, Serena's cousin. It looks as though Buddy, Buddy's going strong. Like, most I'm, of this Nutella's gone. Well, he's going to pick Hobbs' hair out. Paul's sticking with the shoe, it looks like, folks. Here he goes. At least you gave me clean pennies. I did. They're not, like, old well, and, my like, stomach's turning. <laughs> my stomach's turning. Either choice I make, my stomach's wanting to go. <laughs> You've got Nutella on your nose. Is it pretty? <laughs> I told Serena right before yeah. the broadcast started. <laughs> 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 it got stuck on my tongue. <laughs> I told Serena right before the broadcast what you were doing, and she's like, it may be a while before I kiss Buddy no, again. <laughs> no, that's so sad. I, I don't like being blown on the spot. That I didn't go for the shoe. She is glad. <laughs> so it won't be too long. Oh. <laughs> Did you bring mouthwash with you, perchance? No. Ah. But we can acquire it. Wait a Pastor, what? do you have something to say? So what's the challenge exactly? They have to. It's what's unfortunate. We There's have to no choose whether we like a shoe or 
There's points. no challenge. It's just what's unfortunate. And they have to pick one because last week they made their bed and said that shoes would be the option that they would go with hands down across the board. There's a difference between just licking a shoe and then licking food off of a clean shoe. off of a shoe. Buddy, I'm very impressed with I will I'll take that. that. Cool. I'll take that. That counts. Thank you, guys. Buddy, okay. buddy has accomplished his challenge today. I See, I feel like... I feel like I'm set up. <laughs> Seriously, that's what I feel. I feel like I, feel like I, I never should share an opinion Words ever again. Are because <laughs> give it Words a week. Words are what? Important. <laughs> Words All right. are important. Stop. <laughs> I get. That's enough. hair in there. Oh gosh. Because <laughs> I'm hearing my Gatorade. Well, thank you for watching What's Unfortunate. I was watching <laughs> neither one touch the bottom of the shoe or a penny. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Well, I am you. so impressed with y'all. Are you pleased? <laughs> I feel like me and y'all's cat just, just bonded. I'm torn. I'm torn. I made, like, I asked myself before I did this if I would do this challenge if you were to ask me, and I would do this. I, like, I would, I would do this. I so I, I would. I work boots. Right. You would do this? I would do this with these types of shoes. Do it. <laughs> That's so disgusting. Uh, I'd already decided. I have no issue. <laughs> you knew I was going to do that. I did. She wanted to. I that's don't disturbing. think that's what I said, but I said I would. <laughs> well, let's piece this together. Well, guys, thank you for being on What's Unfortunate uh, today. We're super excited about what this was. I'm pretty sure Paul's probably not going to come back on Thursday again. We'll see. Um, but right now, it is time for the man who would be king. Share the broadcast. It's going to be a good one. Paul and Buddy are going to go wash their mouths, and Buddy's going to clean the chocolate off his nose. And we'll be back at the end to tell you about tomorrow. But right now, the man who would be king. <laughs> Glory to God. I, I can't see. <laughs> Kevin said, I'm so proud of you, Barrett. <laughs> he also said, Paul, man up. And Serena said, wrong choice, Paul. <laughs> I, I was watching. You actually never touched the shoe or a penny. You had a penny attached to the stuff, but you didn't touch it in your mouth, which I was watching, so that's good. Jeez. Oh, man. So at the end of our question and answer, uh, actually, Kevin said in Romans 8, 1, there's actually a second part of the verse, like part B in the King James, but it's not in most of the modern translations. And he's right. That's one of those verses that I look at uh, concerning that. And uh, so it's good. The translations are very interesting. Here's one thing to know about the translations, though. God protects his word. Uh, for the most part, unless you've got just a completely evil, unaccepted translation of the word, uh, pretty much any translation that's out there and uh, readily accepted uh, by people or by a majority of people, they all will lead you to one thing. That is, God is love and our job is to accept him with faith as a child and Jesus is the only way to the Father, and we need to uh, be saved by him. So that's a great, great thing. So we're talking about uh, today the man who would be king, and uh, we're going to be again in 
2 Samuel chapter 6, and we just welcome you. If you haven't shared the broadcast yet, uh, please share that, and uh, it's going to be awesome. We're going to start in verse 12, so if you followed us yesterday, we, we had a great day uh, yesterday. And uh, just throw some hands in the comments. Let me see uh, who you are, who's watching. I want to say hello to you, and uh, we praise God for you. Share the broadcast if you haven't already. And uh, so if you were watching yesterday, you see that they started, David is now the king over both kingdoms, and all of a sudden uh, he goes and at the Lord's leading. He helps them. He moves into Jerusalem. He takes the stronghold of the Jebusites, and uh, they thought that it was impenetrable. They were actually taunting David. The Lord shows him how to take that stronghold. He moves into the city of David. And uh, now, then, immediately, he is challenged. Remember, the devil comes immediately to steal the seed of the word. And uh, as, this, as that happens, the Philistines came up. And they uh, came into the valley that was close by the city of David. And the Lord, he inquired of the Lord. The Lord says, go against them. I'll give them to you. That happens. Uh, the Philistines come back again. And this time, uh, David inquires of the Lord again. And he says, uh, should I go against them? And about that time, the Lord says, uh, go against them, but not straight out. Go around behind them and don't go till you hear a particular sound. And so then you'll know that I am fighting for you. And so as he did that, uh, they won again. And then after this win, uh, they wanted to bring the Ark of the Covenant back into uh, Jerusalem. They wanted to bring uh, the Ark back, so they started doing that. But then uh, the ox, uh, there's a problem with the cart. Uzzah reaches out to steady the cart. He had irreverence in his heart, and uh, he tries to steady the ark, and of course, he dies right there on the spot. And we talked about that yesterday. He had irreverence, and he was treating the ark as common instead of as holy, and that was already commanded not to do that. So there was already a judgment built into that law, and he crossed that law, and he paid the price for it. David was upset uh, about this, which is a mistake on David's part. This is not... Uh, this was not just the Lord choosing this. This is, this is basically, you know, David making some wrong choices and uh, just letting his passion get out in front of him. And, but then he gets mad at the Lord, but very quickly he repents. A good leader uh, is quick to repent. And so now we have it where the ark was sent to the house of Obed-Edom, and uh, the Lord blessed his household. And we're in 2 Samuel Chapter 6 and verse 12. Hello, Kevin, Serena, Natalie. Good to see you. Thank you for dropping comments there. Uh, we love you so much. So verse 12, it says, Now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him on account of the ark of God. Hallelujah. We just hit 100 comments. It's at 1239. Uh, I think our best one was 1232. We got to beat that. We got to drop more comments. And the comment was, 100th comment was Buddy Crabtree with the, with the verse. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate that. And uh, so what you see here is that uh, David saw that Obed's house was blessed. And he says, all that belongs to him is blessed on account of the ark of God. 
David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. Into the city of David with gladness. Uh, now, I, I do want to point out something here is that the, uh, the ark of God, uh, bringing up the ark of God into the city of David, um, most people would say that that's Jerusalem, and it is, it is in Jerusalem, in what's today's Jerusalem. But the mountain uh, that the uh, temple is on, like the Temple Mount, and where the walls surround uh, Jerusalem, where those walls, where the ramparts, I've walked on those ramparts around there, uh, the city of David is actually outside of that. So there is a difference. When it says here, the city of David, it's not specifically talking about Jerusalem, although uh, they are so very close, and today it would be considered Jerusalem. But it is a specific part of that, and it, and it would be considered different. It is, it is to become Jerusalem, but most people with a modern look at Jerusalem would say that this was outside of the city walls of Jerusalem, and it would have been. Uh, they actually did not know that the city of David was there. They recently, in the last couple of decades, uncovered that and found where the city of David was. It's really, really a neat place. That was one of my favorite parts. So I do want to just let you know that uh, there is a little bit of controversy there on uh, what location this actually would be. Uh, most people up till a couple of decades ago would have thought it was right on the Temple Mount, uh, but it actually was a little bit south of that. All right, so he says, He brought the ark into the city of David with gladness. Verse 13, And so it was that when the bearers of the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed an ox, and a fatling. Now, this is interesting because before they were just bringing the ark back into its place, but you can tell now they're treating it with reverence. So literally, these guys, they didn't put the ark on a cart anymore. They weren't just lugging it around on a regular common cart. No, they were holding the ark the way that the Lord uh, told them to do. Men are carrying that ark, and as they carry the ark, uh, they're going six paces. One, two, three, four, five, six, and they're doing a sacrifice. One, two, three, four, five, six, doing a sacrifice. One, two, three, four, five, six, doing a sacrifice. And so now they're not treating this thing like it's common anymore. They're treating the ark of God as holy, and the Lord is blessing it. You know, and here's one of the things that I think uh, is very important. As we treat the things of God holy, it's not that it... I want you to understand this. Does God deserve our reverence? Yes. And, and just put that in the comments. God deserves our reverence. However... Is it that God needs it? You know, God doesn't really need anything from us. But however, we need to treat him with reverence. And when we treat him with reverence, it puts us in a position where God is, has to uphold his word. So you go back into 1 Samuel, it says, Those who honor me, I will honor. So now the question is, would the kingdom that David is now overseeing be blessed with the same blessing if he wasn't applying this honor? 
No, I don't believe that it would. But because he gives this level of honor, God has no choice but to pour out honor on him. A good leader understands the need to honor God. Please put that in the comments. A good leader understands the need to honor God. A good leader understands the need to honor God. And not just honor God with what will get you by. A good leader doesn't just honor with average. In other words, he doesn't just get by. A good leader is not just trying to get through. A good leader says, what is over and above? What is uh, beyond? I don't want to give an average offering. I don't want to give average service. I want to give my best. A good leader honors God with their best. Uh, later on, we're going to read a story about David, about the threshing floor. And he says, look, I'm not going to give God. I'm not going to give God just a small thing. You know, I'm, I'm going to give him what, what, it, what he deserves. And that's the best. And so... A good leader doesn't try to just get by. Well, you know, if I go today, is God going to be happy with me if I just throw, you know, a couple of dollars or five dollars in there? Um, you know, is God going to be, you know, fine with me? Think about this. I think this is a really good question. How much are you willing to go, like, let's take a regular Sunday. How much are you willing after church is over for you to go and eat a meal? You know, a meal you know, a meal there for a family, you know, let's not even say a family, let's just say a couple. A meal for a couple, most people, I would say, are generally going to drop somewhere between 15 to $25. So let's just use $20 as a, as a standard for a couple, $20. Then that's what we're willing to drop on a fleshly meal. And it's nothing for us. We'll just, yeah, we'll pay 20 bucks because we got to eat. But here's the thing. The word says that my word is, my, my flesh, Jesus said, is true food. When he's talking about the bread of life, he's talking about his word, his commandment, his ways. He's talking about what you receive when you receive the meal of a message. But yet many people, I'm not talking about tithes, I'm talking about offerings. So in other other. A tithe is what is God's, we're returning it to him. But an offering is what we're actually saying, Lord, I'm purposing in my heart to give this to you. And I recognize that it is biblical that when I receive the word, that I give an offering for that. It's not talking about tithes, it's talking about an offering over and above the tithe. And so how is it that we can be just fine to drop $20 as a couple in a restaurant for something natural, but when we receive a supernatural word, we're not even willing to give 20 bucks a week you know, for a supernatural word. Now, I do understand that not every church is bringing a supernatural word. I understand that. I get that. But here's the thing. Shouldn't we, if we're in the right place and in a place that brings a supernatural word, shouldn't we at the very least you know, decide I'm going to honor God the way that I'd honor a restaurant? 
You know, isn't he worth that? Isn't that word that we receive, don't we know that the word is the fullness of life in us? And as we receive that word, that it changes us. It takes us to a new level. You know, that food's going to be gone, you know, going to be eaten and gone out of your body in a few hours. But that one word you received on Sunday, I know many of you just sitting here, you received a word on Sunday and it'll change your life forever. And so which one which one is it that we need to honor more? The restaurant and the natural food or God's word that is the true food that feeds us eternally? And so how can we say I'm willing to give an offering basically to the restaurant for 20 bucks, but I'm not willing to give 20 bucks every week to a message? Now I'm not telling every person that you need to give a $20 offering every week. I'm just giving you a point of reference and I'm giving you something. Are we honoring God? Does God need the extra? No, we need the extra because we will then be, as we honor him, we will be honored. I believe very clearly that David's kingdom would not have been as blessed had he not taken the time to do what he did in honoring the presence, the ark of the presence in this way. And that's part of the reason why the procession needed to stop three months earlier. It's like, no, you're doing this wrong. And in order for you to set up the kingdom that you need, you need to do this right and it needs to be honored. And so, man, when they went back, they did it right. And you're going to see something else he did uh, right here. He says, and so it was, uh, verse 13, and so it was that when the bearers of the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed an ox and a fatling. Now, you notice I'm, I've been talking about finance, and, and you've heard me say that finances are like Christianity 101, because if you can understand finances, you'll understand other things. So here's the question. If I can turn my heart to an offering and start to honor God with an offering correctly, then won't I look at the service differently in my heart as well? In other words, if I believe that every service is worth, you know, just using that figure in our example again, I'm not telling everybody to do this, but if I, if I say, you know what, this service is at the very least worth $20 worth of honor to what I know that I'm going to receive out of it, then here's the question. Isn't my heart also going to change and be an expectation for it? It's going to be expecting something different out of that message that I wasn't expecting before. So what I learned in finances is now going to be applied in my heart, in my expectation, in my hope. In other words, finances have now taught my hope how to be in the right place too, a joy, a confidence, expectation. You're going to walk in on Sunday morning to your church and say, man, I'm going to get something today. You know, today I'm going to receive something out of this service because God's going to speak something supernatural and eternal in my life, and I'm in expectation. So now as we've applied our actions in finances, it's actually taught us something over in our supernatural hope, right? This is what we need to see is that this is why Jesus said, if you can't do what's right with your finances... How am I going to give you the true riches of the kingdom if you won't, if you won't handle that right? You know, I, let me give you an example of this. Another example. If I don't know how that, let's say that I have 
you know, an extra $1,000 in the bank. So, you know, the Lord blessed me with an extra $1,000. Anytime something extra comes in, I've made it a habit personally where I say, Lord, what is this for? What do you want me to, all right, this was unexpected. It's outside of the normal budget. What do you want to do with this? What am I doing? I'm honoring him with it. If I'm not willing to give that whole $1,000 to whatever he says, then how can he give me more, right? How can he give me more if I'm not trustworthy with that? If all I ever do is assume this is just for me, now I'm coveting, I'm hoarding it, and the blessings can't pass through me. So as the Lord teaches me about finances, I actually learn how to pass other things through me as well. Now watch this. If all I ever do is I just utilize everything God gives me for myself, then I'm not trustworthy in the true riches of the kingdom. And so one of the things that you'll see is this. One of the things that you'll see is this. I've watched ministers do this. They start walking in an anointing of God and a blessing of God. And then all of a sudden people are blessed. People, people are blessed by their laying on of hands as Jesus flows through them. But then they don't want to transfer that anointing to anybody else. See, and what they'll do is they'll, they'll try to hoard the anointed. I'm the special one. I'm the important one. They'll try to hoard that and they won't let go and they won't pass that anointing to other people. This is what happens. So what, you know, what many times has occurred is they never learn the lesson in their finances. And so what they end up doing is when the anointing comes, they don't handle it correctly either. And so this is one of those things where we start to learn by finances and honor how it will open up other things in our life. So for example, the Mark chapter 16 says, shows us so very clearly that every believer can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It's not just designed just for the pastor. It's not just designed for the evangelist. It's, it's designed for every believer. And so... A pastor many times wants to become the man uh, in the flesh, wrongly in the flesh. They want to become the man. Everything's got to pass through them. I'm telling you immediately, they limit their ministry. Things can't happen the right way. They, why? I need Paul to be, a, to be filled with the anointing. I need Barrett to be filled with the anointing. I need Buddy to be filled with the anointing. I need Marky to be filled with the anointing. I need the person that just came in the door this past Sunday to be filled with the anointing. Because as they're filled with the anointing throughout the whole week, they're going to be places I can't be. And in order to fulfill the kingdom the way that it's supposed to be, then I must be willing to let the things of God pass through me. And, and my job is simply to flow in them, not hoard them. Well, where can I learn that first? With finances. God uses this all the time. And you shouldn't be, you know, you shouldn't be proud of yourself when you lay hands on somebody and they're healed. You should be so very pleased with Jesus. But then you should let those things go through you. This is why it's important. So here you see that it was important <clears throat> that they entered the kingdom the right way, entered the city of David with honor of God on everything that they did. 
because it set them up for the honor of the Lord to be poured out on them, to be poured out on David, to be poured out on his people. Verse 14, and David was dancing before the Lord, I love this, with all his might. <laughs> David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. Now I want you to, I want to show you something. And David was wearing a linen ephod. David was not dancing for attention or to be seen. He was dancing with all of his might. There's a difference. There's many people that I've watched in the church. I'm thinking of one right now where I was in a service and this guy started dancing what would some people would say was with all their might, with all his might. But the truth was he was dancing to be seen. Uh, he moved right up in front of everybody and he did all these like ballet type stuff and kicks and bending back over. You remember that? And um, he was dancing to be seen. And then guess what? As soon as they asked him not to do that, he left. And he probably said, well, they're just, they're, they're hindering my praise. No, you weren't praising. You were dancing to be seen in that way. But David was dancing. Listen, he was praising God with all his might. He was honoring God. He was honoring the Lord, not just to be seen, but to honor God. It was between him and, this is the Holy Spirit telling us he was dancing not before people. Who was he dancing before? The Lord. He was dancing before the Lord with all his might. It would do us some good to give all of our might in many things, in praise, in worship, in honor, with all of our might. Uh, this is so very important. And it's up for a pastor, a leader to discern is this actually before the Lord or is this before the people? We have a statement even on the worship team. Uh, we have a statement that, that says, at the end of worship, people should not be looking at you. They should be looking at Jesus. At the end of that worship, they shouldn't be looking at you. They should be looking at Jesus. And uh, it's, it's very important. I have the same feeling at the end of the message. I want them to be praising Jesus and looking at Jesus, not looking at Pastor Brian. I, I want them to make sure they're not looking at me. It's part of the reason why if you watch our services on Sunday, you'll see that I finish up and then I very quickly hand it off. Why? Because I don't want to be the one that the attention is on. As soon as my job is done and I have passed the anointing through, I want to be out of the, I want to be out of the light. I go back, I say hello to everybody just to uh, you know, make sure that I see them, ask them if they need anything. Uh, but I'm not standing up here like, wow, what a great service. Look at what I did. No, it's not before the people. What I'm doing, I want to always do before the Lord. All right, verse 15. So David and all the house of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouting and the sound of trumpet. I want you to see this too. David and all the house of Israel. This means pretty much everybody was involved in this honor of the Lord. Everybody. See, a lot of people think, well, uh, the church has got, you know, God's, you know, like this Friday. God's called uh, us to have that uh, prayer this Friday. Please, somebody put the link up so that they can see the event. So God's called us to have this prayer this Friday from 6 p.m. to midnight. Some people will say, well, I don't have to be there. You know, they'll, you know, they'll do it again. I'll pray next time. 
No, that's, that's the way to miss out on the honor of God. That's what's holding up many people is because they don't think that they should be a part of the place where they're planted. We should say, look, if the field that I'm planted in, if the body of Christ that I'm planting, planted in has been given a word of the Lord, I'm not missing it. I'm not missing it. See, this is an honor of our heart, and you see it right here. This wasn't just David and who he commanded to be there. The whole of Israel was involved in this. It says, and all the house of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouting and the sound trumpet. What is this? This is honored to God. Verse 16. See, there's, a, there's a, our society, and you can see it on the news every day today. Our society has lost the art of honor. Our society has lost that as a, big, as a, as a whole. Our society has lost honor and humility. And that's something that needs to be regained. Well, how's it going to be regained? When the body of Christ puts it on. It's going to come back into society as we put it on first. And we got to make sure that we're not just doing it one time. And that it's not just a good idea then forgotten. We got to make sure that this is who we are. This is who we are. So thank you, buddy, for putting up the prayer event there. Uh, somebody also put it in the uh, restream so it goes out to everywhere. Thank you. And so we got to let honor become who we are, not just a good idea every now and, now and again. No, this is who we are. This is who we are. All right? Verse 15. So David and all the house of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord and shouting... And the sound of the trumpet. Uh, listen, they were loud. They were loud in the house of the Lord. They were loud as they honored God. They were loud. And listen, we're not called to come into church. And, and listen, what does it say if, if I don't put on honor in worship? What does it say the rocks will do? They'll, they'll give a golf clap to the Lord? No, what does it say the rocks will do? They'll cry out. They'll cry out. That's what the rocks will do. They'll, they, God will be praised. God will be worshipped because his creation must worship and honor him. It's our job. But he says, look, if you don't, the rocks will cry out. Rocks who have no mouth, rocks who have no voice, rocks will cry and make a loud noise for the Lord. We've got to understand that our job in honor of the Lord is not just to be silent. Our job is to, to praise him. Look at what they did. This is a passionate people, a fanatical people for God, which is not a bad thing. I'm a fan of God. I'm a fanatic for God. That's not a bad word. That, you know, don't let the average mediocrity of a corrupted world take away the honor of God for you and your house. I'm a fan of God. I'm, you know, I'll, I'll say this on a regular basis. People may say, well, you, he's crazy. I am. I'm crazy for Jesus. I'm a fanatic for, for Jesus. You've got to understand. I'm not going to be held back in my honor of God because this person over here, man, thinks that I shouldn't praise him in that way. No, I'm going to praise him like he deserves to be praised. I'm going to honor him the way he needs to be honored. That's why I'll come up some days and I'll say, good morning, boomerang. And they'll be like, good morning. I'll be like, oh, no, 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 no. 
No, we're not doing that. <laughs> no, we're going to put on honor the way that honor needs to be put on. So it says, they were shouting. And the sound of a trumpet, they were loud. They were passionate. God loves passionate people. God loves, put that in the comments, God loves passionate people. God loves passionate people. Verse 16. Then it happened, and, and let me just say this. You know, I think, I think that some people, there, you know, there's a lot of talk about race, uh, race and different things and, and race, racism around the country and everything. Let me just tell some white people something, because I'm white, I can say it. Black people are passionate, and we need to get a hold of some of that. Black people are passionate. I love that. And God loves passionate people. Stop being so stuck up that you can't worship God like David was worshiping him. Be passionate. Glory to God. Amen. Verse 16. Then it happened as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David. Yeah, it, would do, it would do us some good to get around some passionate praisers. Get around. You know, white people, go to a black church, hang out with black people, and let it rub off on you. Get some passion in your life. <laughs> Get some passion in your life. I remember one time, let me tell you, uh, uh, they are. Kevin said black, black folks are passionate people. They are. I love it, and it's right. Amen. I remember one time going to a funeral. This was an awakening for me. This was an awakening. I went to a funeral for a... a a black guy, he had been an associate in business uh, with me and uh, went to the funeral. I was a young man. I was in my early 20s. And man, you know, I thought I was going to a funeral. I went to a celebration. I mean, I went to a celebration. And I was sitting there and I was, and listen, in my little religious self, I was sitting there going, how irreverent. Don't they know this is a funeral don't they know? And the Lord corrected me pretty strongly. He said, I said in my word that to live is Christ, but die is gain. This man was a believer and he has gained with me. They should be celebrating. And man, by hanging out by some, some black brothers and sisters that day, I learned something and I needed to learn something. And a crust of my religion fell off. And I let some passionate people influence me. I let some fanatics of, for Jesus influence me. And it changed my life. And funerals have never been the same since because I see them differently now. It's a celebration. A passing from a corrupted life into an incorruptible life. If that person knows Jesus, it's a celebration. And I needed the change. I needed my little religious self to get over itself. And so, by getting around people and not being stuck in my little box, not being doing it always my same way, I let the things of God influence me and change me. I didn't try to stand there and hold my ground. No, as soon as I saw the standard of the word on it, I let the word change me. But what, cracked, what knocked on the door of my religious self, my religious box? What knocked on the door? Passionate people. This is why God says, I'd rather you be cold or hot, but don't be lukewarm or I'll spit you out of my mouth. I'll, I'll, I'll throw you up. Why? 
because hot or cold is a passion in one direction or the other, and hot or cold makes you make a choice. Even as you're hearing this message today, hot or cold will make you make a choice. This, you realize this is a passion coming through. This is an anointing coming through. It's drawing you to a decision. Now, if you've already made that decision, you can hallelujah, put some hands up. Put some hands up in the comments or whatever. You're already there. It doesn't have an effect. But if you haven't made that decision, then what happens is you're like, oh, man. Is he right about this? It brings you to a decision point. That's why God wants people that are passionate. He wants them either hot or cold, but not lukewarm. Because lukewarm lets you sit still, and you'll never put on the passion of honor of God and worship him. It's very important. And because you won't honor him, you won't be honored. God wants to get honor to you. It takes a passion, though. Glory to God. Then it happened... As the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, that Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked out the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. Let me just tell you, when you get passionate, when you get passion, there's always going to be somebody that's looking and telling you that you're wrong, that's going to be judging you. But here's what you have to decide. Do I, want, do I care about being judged by them or do I care about being judged by God? I don't care what people say and do. They're going to say it anyway. You might as well be, fall on the right side. <laughs> They're going to say it anyway. I remember going, uh, amen, Mark, he said, God wants to get honor to me. Yes, he does. So how does he do it? He pokes our spirit to honor him. He said, I've already set it up. If you'll honor me, I'll honor you. It's already set in place. So if you'll just honor me, you'll have honor coming to you. And he wants to get it. So he'll put you in a situation where you have a choice to honor him and then do it. And so here's one of the things. I can remember being in a service. And uh, in that service, they videoed everything. And the joy of the Lord was happening. And the power of God was flowing. And the anointing was going. And I mean, I can, be, I can remember being in some of those services and laughing so hard I couldn't see straight. The joy of the Lord, I couldn't stop laughing. It was so peaceful. And, you know, if it's actually joy of the Lord, it just knocks all the weight of the world off of you, you know. And uh, so the joy of the Lord. But guess what? That can be embarrassing for some people. And so, but in this particular service, man, that camera, it was right on me. You know, here I am laughing, my face is red, I'm like tears, <laughs> you know, I'm laughing and nowhere close to that much, much more. And I'm like, I look up and I see the camera I'm thinking, and immediately my flesh goes, I don't want to be on the camera. Man, I look like an idiot. But then I was like, you know what? I'd rather carry the anointing of God and walk in the freedom of God than care about what that person thinks about me. And when I made that decision, when I was willing to look like an idiot in front of people, all of a sudden, God says, you may look like an idiot to worldly people, but you look like a passionate person who's honoring me to me. And he said, now that you have gotten past that, here's more. Here's the anointing. Boom. And the anointed started flowing in my life. It was a breakthrough for me. I mean a complete breakthrough in my life because I got over the pride of my flesh. I got over what I looked like. I don't care. Well, that helps me preach because I don't care. 
I don't care about what people are thinking. I care what God thinks. I care what he wants. I got to become passionate about his things. But when you make that decision, there's always going to be somebody that's judging you. But you got to understand, they were judging you already. The issue is, in the other judgment, you're not going to have the power and the flow of God's anointing and his life. But when you don't care about people and you get passionate for the things of God and honor him, you'll also carry the power and the fullness of his life. And when you walk like that, it's much better. It's much And over here, when you care about what people think, you won't influence very many people. But when you don't care what they think, you'll influence millions in Jesus' name. You'll influence millions. It's the fire of God. But there'll always be somebody. Know that somebody's going to be judging you. Okay, Jesus said, look, they'll persecute me. They'll persecute you. They'll talk about you. you know, that's okay. And, you know, what are they going to do? I mean, how are they going to harm you? God says, I'll defend you. He said, what can they do? I'll defend you. I've watched it as people that tried to come against me and the Lord stand in their way and block it. It looked like they were winning for a minute and then all of a sudden, no, the blessing of God comes into effect. Just trust the Lord. See, it's a really a trust of the Lord versus a trust of our feelings, a trust of our reputation. You know, trust the Lord. Verse 17, So they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent which David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. When David had finished offering the burnt offering and the peace offering, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Further, he distributed to all the people, to all the multitude of Israel, both to men and women, a cake of bread and one of dates and one of raisins to each one. Then all the people departed each to his house. I'll say he didn't have to do that. A good leader, I'll say it again, put it in the comments again today, a good leader is always thinking about the people. A good leader is always thinking about the people. Verse 20, But when David returned to bless his household, Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How the king of Israel distinguished himself today. He uncovered himself today in the eyes of his servants, maids, as one of the foolish ones shamelessly uncovers himself. Can you hear, you know, just the tone in that? Now, see, she wasn't, she wasn't embarrassed for David. She's embarrassed for herself. See, she didn't want to go in front of her maids and, and hear them say, Wow, did you see how King David, I mean, Michael's husband, did you see how he was, she was embarrassed. See, it was her own insecurities now she's projecting in a religious judgment towards David. And you have to understand, there is something in the word that says this in Genesis 12. It says, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. She's judging David in her heart for his praise and his passion for the Lord. And she's about to get judged because of it. Because her judgment is going to bounce off and it's going to come back and hit her. She was the one embarrassed. She was the one who, who didn't want to be passionate. She was the one who had not uh, won that battle in her own heart and mind. And so while David didn't care, obviously, she did. And she took it and now she's trying to put 
her bondage on David and it's going to backfire. She was ashamed. Verse 21, so David said to Michael, it was before the Lord. Hear that again. It, he wasn't dancing and praising before the people. He was dancing and praising before the Lord. It was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore, I will celebrate before the Lord. I will celebrate. I want you to see something. I, you know, he's like, you know, it seems like it's a dig right here. It's like, hey, the Lord chose me above your dad. You know, that seems like, wow, David, that was hurtful, right? But watch this. Watch this. How important is it that Michael watched to see who the anointing was actually on? See, Michael could have looked at the circumstances and the anointing and could have figured out who did it right and who did it wrong. And what she should have done is said, obviously the Lord is pleased with the heart of David. Maybe I should learn something. You see, this is what humility and honor does. But I watch, I've watched this. Why is this important? I've watched this happen all the time. I have people that have constantly, through the years, that have judged me for my doctrines and my beliefs as a pastor. But here's what's happened. They've constantly lived in bondage, and we've constantly lived in freedom. And if they simply looked at the fruit of the two, it should awaken them to the things that they should do. While they're judging in their religion over here, they're not winning souls, they're not seeing anybody healed and delivered on a regular basis. They're in bondage. Many people have even passed. Many people have been in life and death situations constantly because they're not living in the victory of divine health. Meanwhile, we're seeing healings, miracles, freedom after freedom after freedom. Why is this important? Because here what he's pointing out to Michael is, Michael, if you had any shred of humility whatsoever... Instead of making a judgment, you would have come to me and said, is this right? Am I right or are you right and why? So see, humility is going to reach out for the truth, not just make a judgment and not just blame somebody for something because of their own shame. It's so important. And listen, when we move in humility like that, it also is honoring God because we're honoring uh, what God wants to do, and those who honor him will be honored. Most of the time, so let me give you another example of this. One day we had a situation. Um, I, all I did was I started a service, and uh, I started praying in, in tongues. I started praying in the Holy Ghost. We had a guest that day, and uh, they were sitting right back here. They were sitting on the back row, and as soon as I prayed in tongues, and I, and I understand this, I understand this, there's been much teaching wrongly about praying in tongues. People have said it's the devil. You know, you can get demons that way and all that kind of stuff. And I get that. And so you've had preachers who have wrongly uh, caused people to be in a fear over something that the Lord commanded. And um, so this particular day, this guest legitimately got up. As soon as I started praying in tongues, they got up and ran out of the sanctuary. And um, they didn't wait around for a, you know, 
an interpretation or nothing. As soon as I did that, they got up and they ran for the door. Literally ran, like jogged to the door. <laughs> I was like, okay, I guess they don't believe in tongues. And um, so ran for the door and took off. Well, meanwhile, that day, we had two miracles in the service, like legit miracles that day. Uh, that was the day uh, that I walked by the person and said, stand up, God's going to heal your foot right now. That was that day, and there was something else that happened. Two miracles that day. That person missed the two miracles and the confirmation that this was God because they had already uh, hardened their heart in pride that they knew what they were talking about, that they knew what they were talking about. Had they been in humility, they would have waited or at least called back and said, I don't understand this. Can you explain it to me? They would have asked those questions. I love those questions. I'll sit down and talk with somebody for hours to help them come to the truth of the word. And, and I've done that with myself. But this day, because of pride, they made a judgment and they actually missed out on the power of God for their life and uh, for uh, the rest of potentially for the rest of their life because of a lack of humility. This is the same thing that Michael's doing. But had Michael watched the fruit, she would have, she would have said, maybe he knows something that I don't know. And that's so important for us to do. What do they know that I don't know? I've come to the conclusion now that if I have one of my God-ordained leaders that does something that's contrary to how I would do it or contrary, I'm going to go to them and say, why is it that you do that? Because I found out too many times they probably know something that I don't know. That's why God ordained them as my leader. But see, in pride, I would sit back and just judge them. But in humility, I would say, can you tell me why you do that? Humility is an honor to God, and we need to put it on. Look what happens when we don't put on humility and honor, but we are ashamed of, of, you know, in, of our reputation. We're ashamed in front of people. In front of people, we're scared of them. Look what happens. And he says this to Michael, verse 21. So David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore, I will celebrate before the Lord. Verse 22. And hear this, David's saying, like, your little question about me is not going to stop me from praising God. I will celebrate before the Lord. You need to make that your heart as well. Put it in the comments right now. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will celebrate before the Lord. Glory to God. We're the people who will celebrate before the Lord. Verse 22, David said, I will uh, be... More, I will be more lightly esteemed than this and will, and will be humble in my own eyes. But with maids of whom you've spoken, with them I will be distinguished. In other words, he recognizes that people are going to talk about me and not esteem me. They're not going to honor me properly. And there'll be people that will not esteem me even this much. He says, but the very ones that you said, in their eyes, I'll be esteemed. Verse 23, Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child to the day of her death. A lack of honor and humility brought about a lack of fruitfulness for the rest of her days. Honor, put this in the comments, honor and humility brings forth fruitfulness. 
Honor and humility brings forth fruitfulness. So one of the things that happened when that day when I was in that service and the cameras on me and everything, I just made up my mind. Am I going to, do I want God more than I want the approval of men? Yes. Then I don't care who sees what. I don't care. I'd rather look crazy and carry the anointing and fruitfulness of God. And that's exactly what happened. The day I made that decision, fruitfulness exploded in my life. Honor and humility bring forth fruitfulness. Now moving forward into you know, our giving. Honor and humility in our giving brings forth fruitfulness, not just in our finances, but in every area of our life. The question is, are we being honorable in our fruitfulness? Are we being honorable in our giving? And so as we put up the thing on the screen uh, for giving, if you're on Facebook, you can give at hashtag donate, uh, or you can type in the comments hashtag donate and the amount, and it'll take care of that. Or anybody can go to givebc.org, uh, and you can sow that way into the kingdom. But here's one of these questions, honor and humility in our giving. Just think about it for a second. You know, do you want, this, this is a great question, and I forget where I heard it the very first time, but I talked about it earlier in the broadcast, talking about honor and humility. Are we willing to give more at the restaurant than we're willing to give the meal of the message that God brought to us supernaturally? You know, are we willing to do that? But here's another question. You know, in our lives, have, have you paid more for a TV than you've ever, than you've ever given in an offering over and above the tithe to the Lord. Which one would you say is more honoring? Oh, I'm going to pay more for a TV, but I'm never going to give an offering that's bigger than that. You know, say a TV is $500. Have you ever given a $500 offering? Let that challenge you. Why would I be willing more to give an offering to you know, the uh, electronics store than I would to God who... who is everything. This is honor and humility. And see, these are the things that really check our heart. These are types of questions. Why would I be willing? I know, I mean, I know people that'll drop, you know, a thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars on a vacation, but they won't drop that much money in an offering. So which thing has a heavier weight and honor in their life? Remember, honor has everything to do. Honor has everything to do with weightiness. So which one carries more weight in our life? Our vacation each year or God? See, we should be tithing and then we should be believing God for much more than that. We should be believing for, to give much more into the kingdom of God than that. And that's where the multiplication happens in our, in our finances. Remember what I just said and you put it in the comments. Honor and humility bring forth fruitfulness. If you want fruitfulness in your life, then you have to move in honor and humility. But how can we say that it's honor and humility if we will honor the vacation spot and a vacation each year more than we honor the Lord? That's not honor. That's not humility. Now, you might not be able to start there this year, but you, maybe you can. Maybe you can do more. You know, I, I seek the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want me to give? And see, this is the key. Are we even seeking God on this level? And if we're not, then we're not honoring. God wants us to have an honor and humility that's on us all the time, but it starts with us purposing our hearts to honor him. 
And many people, this is why many people don't walk in fruitfulness and they don't have the things that God wants them to have because they haven't started in their finances. These are the first parts of our Christian walk that we have to understand. These are the beginning riches is in our finances. But if we won't handle unrighteous money correctly, how will he give us anointing, healing, deliverance? How will he hand these things to us? How will he give you a business that makes you know, $10 million a year if you won't honor him with $100, with a $500 offering you know, once a year or whatever it is? How can he give that to you and, and know that it won't have control of you? How can he give it to you and know that you will do right with it if you won't handle it? He said, look, if you won't do it in this little thing, you won't do it in the big thing either. This is scripture. Amen, Kevin. He said, I can't wait for the day when I write a million-dollar check for the offering above the time. I can't either. Man, I'm going to jump and shout with you. I'm going to be like David in front of the ark, praising God. And not for, not for the offering, for you. I'm going to be praising God for you because I know that kind of honor, it demands honor from God by God's own word. That's the beauty of it. So how can we go and, and you know, I know people that will drop, you know, Five ten thousand dollars on a family vacation, but they won't give that over and above their tithe. That's not honor. That's not honor. And then we wonder why we're not carrying the weightiness of God, supernatural power and anointing in our lives, because we're not walking in what He's already commanded us to walk in. So honor and humility is saying, Lord, I'll give you whatever you want me to give. And there's times where you just do crazy giving. Amen. Julie says, I'll celebrate before the Lord. I will too, Julie. Glory to God. There is, and see, how, how does a supernatural business idea fall into your lap by God? How does it happen? When you honor God and you place yourself in a place where the anointing can flow. Where can the anointing flow? In the places that preach it. And the anointing can flow in the lives that have honored us. And so in our, in our tithes and offerings, many times we need to say, Lord, how can we honor you? And listen, the, again, I told you the other day, this is not just for adults. I can remember at 10 and 11 years old, pulling my penny bake out, putting a little butter knife in there and sliding quarters out so I could send it in. And I believe truly and wholeheartedly, this is a reason why I had some abundance in my life is because of that. God will bring it to you, amen? God wants to honor you. Do you want to honor him? If you'd like to sow today, you can just type in hashtag donate and the amount on Facebook, go to givebc.org. I just want to pray over those uh, financial gifts. And I thank you, everybody that's already sown. In Jesus' name, Lord, bring it to them. Bring it to them. Lord, we're not giving today out of compulsion. I'm not talking to people that don't want to give. If you don't want to give, I'm not talking to you today. I'm talking to the people that God's dropping something in their heart and they know it's the Lord. Father, right now, every person that is made up in their heart, purposed in their heart to be a cheerful and abounding sower, Lord, let them see exactly what they are supposed to sow. Move into that honor. And Lord, I just call on you. I call on your word, Lord. Father, you said that those who honor you you will honor. Lord, back up your word and make it happen now in Jesus' name. Back it up now. Bring it to pass and bring it to pass the way that it should be in its fullness and timeliness 
in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for it. Glory to God. You see, some people have a problem with me even praying that way. I don't know if anybody's watching today that does, but they're like, how can you tell God what to do like that? Because all I'm doing is reminding him of his word, and I know his word so much that I can stand in that level and say, this is what I know you want to do. So as your ambassadors, let me pray that way. That's what he said to do. And in Matthew chapter 6, pray this way, our Father which art in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. This is how Jesus told us to pray. And so as we do that, we start walking in our authority and we start demanding that those promises manifest and the hunger for the things of God starts to bring it about in our lives. Father, right now today, let it be blessed. Let every giver on the level that they gave. Lord, let it be blessed in Jesus' name. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, men shall give into their bosom. Men will overflow their lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Praise God. I hope you got something out of it today. Uh, if you haven't shared the broadcast yet, share it. Barrett's going to tell us. She's going to wrap up today, and then we're going to tell you what's happening tomorrow. Amen. Well, we thank you so much for being on with us today. We hope that you enjoyed it. We certainly did. And thank you so much for watching the broadcast. Please, if you haven't done already, share the broadcast. Share it. Sharing these broadcasts, it's a seed. And so... Go ahead and share it if you haven't done so. Someone in your life needs to see what is happening on Lunch Plus each and every single day. And before I tell you what's coming up tomorrow, every day we want to have a time of confession with you. And so we weren't able to squeeze that in before we got to the word, but let's just wrap up with today's daily confession. Confession number five. It says, and join your voice with mine. We walk in the fullness of faith, hope, and love. We win souls. We love righteousness, hate sin, walk in holiness, and are anointed by God. Amen. That's who you are. That's who I am. And I am so excited to spend each and every single day going higher and higher with you. Well, tomorrow you are in for quite a treat because it is Friday here at Lunch Plus, which means... We have some good news coming up for you tomorrow. We're going to have some games, Minute to Win it games. And tomorrow, tomorrow only, maybe tomorrow only, I'm not sure. We'll see how it goes. Will it mask? We'll find out if we can, if we can use different household items as masks, and we'll let you know. It's going to be a good one. We're excited to be here with you again tomorrow. Share the broadcast. Make sure that you're on at 1145, and we'll see you soon. Thank you for being with us, and we love you very much. And prayer tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Tomorrow night here at Boomerang, 6 p.m. to 12 a.m. Come bring your supply of faith, hope, and love. We're excited about it, and we're excited to see God honor those who honor him. Amen. See you tomorrow.